Attention, Geck Nation. I am going on tour across the U.S. to nine different cities to be a gecko and talk to people just like I do on this podcast, except I will be on a stage at a place doing it live. If you want to come see the podcast live, tickets are available now for these cities. Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, New York City, Boston, Massachusetts, Miami, Florida, Chicago, Illinois, Denver, Colorado, Nashville, Tennessee, and Seattle, Washington. So if you live in any of those cities and you want to come catch the podcast live, the link to buy tickets will be in the episode description. Uh, The tickets will sell out fast, so if you want to go, you should get them now. Anyway, let's get into the calls. Hello? Hello. Hey, is this Liz? It's Liv, L-I-V, but yeah, what's up? Uh, what's going this on, Liv? Yeah, this is the this is Gek G E C K. <laughs> what's up, Gek? Thanks for picking up. I appreciate it. Uh, what can I what can I what can I do you for, Liz? Um, before I start with my whole story, can I ask you a question? It's a good question. I promise. It's not how are you. Sure. Ask me the question. I'm I'm down for questions. What has been the most persistent thought on your mind recently? Uh, the most persistent thought on my mind recently has been, why do I do the things that I do um, in a universe where I acknowledge that I can theoretically do an infinite number of things? Uh, why have I chosen to do what I am doing currently? Um, I, I never come up with a, uh, uh, lasting answer to that question, but it is something that I think about very often, which, you know, and I think about it because the things that I do are are also related to, uh, the things that cause me happiness as well as the things that cause me unhappiness. And so I weigh, uh, the happiness they cause against the unhappiness they cause, and every day I ask myself if it, if it is worth it. And every day I have a new answer. Hmm. Are you happy being geck? Um, yes. Yeah, some days, you know, some days uh, are more difficult than others. Some days I'm very grateful, you know. Uh, I'm always asking myself these questions because, you know, I recognize I can, you know, I don't really have to do anything. You don't really have to do anything. Uh, so, you know, we choose to do things for reasons that I think are important to, uh, think about. I love that answer, honestly. What's going on with you, Liz? Solid. Um, I just wanted to tell you about how I, like, legally got kidnapped um when i was 17 and shipped off to go to this wilderness therapy rehab place for 90 days and i'm coming Uh, up on the like five year anniversary and it's just a trip to think about uh is this something that your parents sent you to Mm mm-hmm yeah ah okay so let's start with why did they send you to this place? What is it that you were doing that caused them concern? Um, honestly, a buildup of like six ish years of super heavy benzo addiction, 
plus like almost a year, I'd say like nine to 10 months of like heroin addiction is what finally, you know, put them, uh, whatever, my foot in the door to go to the wilderness. Interesting. Um, and was this the first thing that they tried or did they try a lot of different things that, that didn't work before this? I mean, they've tried calling the cops and like getting me like put in a drunk tank for one night that didn't really do anything. Um, they tried to like cut me off. I had to live in my car for a good period of time. Um, but this was kind of, yeah, like the most drastic thing that they did, I would say. Hmm. It's interesting, and I want to get into the actual experience, but it's interesting to me that they would go from cutting you off and deciding not to deal with the problem to, okay, let's give this one last shot by uh, organizing a a kidnapping to Utah. Right, and not even, like, one last chance, but, like, that shit was expensive. Like, one... Like, they went from cutting me off completely, like, I was, like, bumming it for a while, like, um, QT, taquitos type, <laughs> every single day, that's all I could eat, but, yeah, they spent, like, 50, 60 grand on this fucking wilderness kidnapping rehab shit, and so, I think that, I think about that a lot, too. Hmm. Okay, so, um... You're having all these issues. Your parents try these things. They try cutting you off, and then they go, "You know what? Let's let's ball out on the kidnapping." And uh, what what was that? What was that like? How did like where what do you, when they, when you say you were kidnapped? Where where did they like take you? Like where were you when mm-hmm. people so came like, to to bring you to that place? Yeah, it's technically they call it gooning, which is just like a another word for kidnapping honestly but i was going out with some of my friends and i didn't know that one of them had like already talked to my mom and my mom guilt tripped her and was like olivia's gonna kill herself if she's not like you know sent to rehab and so she told my mom where we were going we we're just gonna get sonic at this place uh city nearby and it was like 11 30 12 kind of late and this black SUV pulled up and this guy hopped out and physically grabbed me and put me in the back seat of the car, closed the door. There was another guy in the passenger seat and the doors were locked. I like instantly tried to open them and they drove off. And five hours later, literally five hours from where I am in Arizona up to Southern Utah, no, they didn't answer any of my questions. They didn't talk at all. And I got there and they handed me my phone and um, my dad called me and he was like, yeah, so you either like stay out there or I don't know, like that's, that's it. Like that's the last you'll be hearing from us. So you either graduate and tough it out or you like be homeless and for real cut off your family. So, and it was the, terrifying. I mean. When, yeah, when this first happened, I mean, to not know that this is a thing that's being orchestrated by your parents and to just be thrown in a van, I mean, you must have thought yeah. you were being, like, legitimately actually kidnapped. Yeah, I was like, here, like, here it goes, like, it's actually happening, like, sex trafficking, whatever, you know, a woman's biggest fucking fear. Right. 
um, it was horrible. I was like sobbing. I still have like, I worked uh, through this PTSD for years in therapy and still kind of have a little bit of like, I'm <laughs> shaking talking about it because it's still so like real and okay. raw. So, all right. So you get to the place. Uh, you're talking to your dad on the phone. He says, you got to do this or else we're done with you. What What is your, what is your sort of initial reaction now that you're like, okay, I'm not being, you know, kidnapped. This is a thing my parents have orchestrated. Mm-hmm. This is a deal they're making. What What's going through your head at that point? Honestly, just like disbelief and more confusion because I'd never heard of like wilderness therapy. Like what the fuck is that? You know, it's not very popular um, like where I'm from. And I was just more confused and then I was a little mad and then I was just like defeated. And honestly, I was I was like shooting up heroin at the time regularly and knew I was fucking up and was just like in this horrible place. So I kind of finally was just like, you know, fuck it. Like if this is how I'm going to get the help I need, like this is how I'm going to get the help I need. Okay, so you there was some resistance at first, but eventually you were like, okay, maybe this is the only way, so fuck it, let's just do it. Exactly, yeah. Okay, and you were there for 90 days. Mm-hmm, yeah, three months. So give us the rundown of, of what your life is like for these three months. Every single day, except for the two like layover weekend days, is pack up camp, um, pack up everything we need on our backs, and hike like at least eight to you know fifteen miles to our next camp. Unpack, you know, make a fire, set up our little camp, eat, go to bed, wake up, pack, hike every single day for ninety days. It's like a their whole motto was, you know, healing and like getting trauma and like all, um, all this shit out through physical exercise and like holistically being in touch with nature and, uh, blah, 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 blah. But yeah, that's all we did. I carried a backpack bigger than me, heavier than me on my back all day, every day and got crazy fucking blisters and, had to be put on like suicide watch multiple times. It was just imagine a group of fourteen teenagers being thrown out, no tents or anything. All we get is a sleeping bag and a tarp that we have to learn how to make a shelter with, and so like beans and rice. So, you know, you said you were shooting up heroin every day and then you came here and you're doing like this, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, strenuous physical activity. What, how is your, because, you know, it's, it's one thing to, to, you know, go from not being, I don't know, I don't know how physically active you were at this time, but to go from, you know, being put in this situation where you're doing all this intensely physical stuff, but also to go from there. Uh, while you're also, I, I assume, going on withdrawal from heroin, how does that work? Yeah. Are they like, uh, you know, I know that some places they like give you a, a, they like wean you off of it so that your body doesn't like, mm-hmm. you know, go absolutely nuts. Like, how how is your body responding 
to all of this? How are they helping you through all of this? So for the first like week and a half, we didn't hike at all. And all the kids fucking loved me because like I was withdrawing so bad that I couldn't even move. But they only sent a nurse up every once in a while. They didn't give me any, like, medication to help the withdrawals, except for, like, ibuprofen and a mild, like, sedative. But it was horrible. I, I just have, like, I feel like my brain kind of blocked a lot of it out because it was just, like, physically and mentally the hardest thing I've ever done. But I have, like, memories of laying in my sleeping bag on the dirt, like, sweating and, like, puking in the dirt. And the puke, just, like, being on the side of my sleeping bag and I can't move and I'm just, like, rolling around. And just baking, like, in my sleeping bag in the sun, withdrawing. Like, some one of the staff members would come and check my, my blood pulse or my blood ox and um, my pulse and everything every once in a while. But... That, that was about it. It was like, it was insane and intense and honestly fucked up. Now you said that everyone there in general. You said you said everyone there loved yes. you. You said ever you said all the kids there loved you. <laughs> why did why did all the kids there? Well, and you, and then and then to explain that you said they loved you because you were withdrawing a lot. What did you What did you mean by that? I just meant um, they didn't have to hike at all. Sure. They got to like stay in one camp for like a week and a half and just chill. And like they ended up learning how to make hammocks and like doing all this shit. And so, like, that's what I meant. Sorry if that was confusing. They no, liked no, that so they I, didn't I, have I, to. Hike. Well, it kind of it le- it leads me into my next uh, thing that I'm curious about is what is your relationship like with the other kids at the uh the rehab at this time are you forming connections with anybody what is that like um while i was still like in active withdrawal the only connections i was forming were with the staff that would like sit by me um basically make sure i didn't die but i was not in any state of mind to to function like any sort of human and make connections but after like a month of um the withdrawal and then the anger and the sadness and just like being in my own head I kind of got in the swing of things and made friends that I still you know FaceTime multiple times a month now Hmm. so you made friends that you still keep in touch with yeah after going through the the first month of 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 just like physically adjusting to the new surroundings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because mm. you're sleeping outside with someone, you know, with someone 24 hours, seven days a week for months at a time. You're, you have to go like with a buddy to go on a little walk to take a shit, you know. We're, we got pretty close pretty fast. Mm. And are these other kids, are, are, are the, is this... Is this kind of the first time at that point that you are meeting other people who also have really bad problems with drugs? Um, no, because I have some family members with 
uh, you know, in active addiction and have passed because of addiction and some of my friends and like their older brothers. But this is the first time I ever was around anyone that struggled in the ways I struggled, but also like kind of wanted to not continue this like shitty pattern. Yeah, this is the first time you're around That's other people cool. who who are showing a desire to to change. Mm-hmm. Does that did yeah. that have a positive effect exactly. on you? One hundred percent. Yeah. Um. I think that like the other people that were there, the other students with me, did more than like any of the therapist or staff members or you know, hiking could have done just like that community mm-hmm. that I built was is amazing. Super cool. So tell me about this. You get there, uh, you know, at first you think you're getting fucking kidnapped. You kind of are like, all right, um, you know, it's either this or the highway. So let's do it. The first month you're withdrawing like crazy. You're uh, in no mind to function properly. And then as you tell me after a month of just like, powering through the the harsh physical realities of your situation you sort of get to a point where you are are leaning into it more and you're making these these friends you know these people that you still talk to T- tell me about that transition yeah. from uh you know I can't do this I'm throwing up on everywhere to okay fuck it let's you know tie some knots and you know cook fucking make <laughs> campfires and shit yeah so i think eventually i just got to this point of like acceptance like i'm already out here i'm i'm might as well learn all these skills and engage in these activities so i can sleep comfortably and stay dry if it rains and know how to build a shelter and know how to you know make better food on the fire than this just beans and rice every single day um if i was going to be out there might as well like make something of my time and not just go through the motions like i think it's sad like i know some people that just went out the exact same like went through all of that Mm. physical and emotional and financial you know struggle just to walk out of it the same so i got to that point and i was like you know what fuck it i'm gonna have fun out here because that's just the type of person I am. Mm. Enjoy the journey. So I I, I like, I, I really am trying to piece together the full story of the, the character arc that I'm seeing of, you know, month one, month two. Now in month three, as we're sort of nearing the tail end, um, as you're forming, you know, what you say is a, a community of, of, you know, other people who really want to get better, uh, you know, people who you've formed mm-hmm. a elastic connection with. What is going through your mind uh, as you're nearing the program? Who are you? What's going on with you physically? What's uh, uh, what's the picture there? Um, I, I feel like I finally came into myself. Like, month three was uh, live you know, becoming this person and the old Olivia kind of dying off. I had like this whole ceremony to like bury my past self and to 
leave everything out there and like genuinely try to you know make something of my life and blah 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 and so yeah it's like month three I just I learned that I wanted to be a leader I learned that I wanted to work um in the outdoors like wilderness not necessarily rehab but definitely like touring or something cool like that interesting Mm -hmm. I I learned that I'm a tree hugger total like fucking dirt bag and before I was thought I was like a city type suburban girl but that's not the case so it was cool that's fascinating to me that you you were when you were thrown into this it was like you know a, a really you know fucked up you know shitty time and and you're being forced to do all this stuff and then you come out of it you know feeling like it's your it's your passion and it's the environment that you really uh identify with mm-hmm. not even identify but like thrive in mm. so yeah it was, it's super cool i so, love my parents a lot for like giving the balls to send me out there yeah, that was something. Uh, so, a really important question I have is, you know, I mean, you're telling me that, you know, you're you when when you described being kidnapped in the van, you know, thinking that you were going to get like, you know, something horrible was going to happen to you. I mean, you're telling me that you have PTSD from that, that your voice shakes from that, that it was just a really fucked up thing, and yet you you weigh that against the fact that by the end of this program. You know, I mean, undeniably, it, it it did a lot for you, and as you said just now, that you have you have your parents to thank for it. How do you mm-hmm. reconcile those two feelings? You know what I'm saying? Kind of. Um, Are you ultimately thankful to your parents for you know putting you through all that, even though it was really difficult? Yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, 100%. Um, I'm thankful that they spent the money, honestly, is what it comes down to. But mm-hmm. thankful for sure, because it made me like find, you know, what I want to do with my life. Um, and I want to start like a whole career in wilderness therapy, but maybe try to develop one that doesn't consist of the kidnapping and the like just so many fucked up things in wilderness therapy Mm -hmm. and i just i want it to be more inclusive and more safe and more available and without my parents sending me i wouldn't know any of this and i wouldn't have this like passion i started going to community college so i can get a master's in psychology so I can become a wilderness therapist so I can like actually have some credentials to like start this non-profit type wilderness therapy and it's going to be more of like a mental health and addiction therapy not just like addiction so tell me when you get okay so you uh, no no it's fine When, when you get back from the 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 wilderness retreat rehab thing uh what happens then mm-hmm. do you move back in with your with your with your mom and how are thing how is the relationship when you first get back so one of the 
requirements for graduation is that everyone goes to like a halfway like sober living place mm. before they can go back back to their regular environment and you know where some triggers or some old friends or whoever may be there they have to because going like from living deep in the woods for months at a time like no phone no showers like no toilets it's overwhelming and overstimulating and i couldn't even sleep on a bed for the first like couple days um mm. it was scary so they for sure like try to send you usually out of state to like a sober living building halfway house so that's what i did i went to salt lake city to a halfway house and uh it was super scary at first i felt like a little like deer in headlights bambi like car horns were so loud and there were so many people and i didn't even want to leave this like little room that i got in this you know halfway house but i got my groove and i met the love of my life eventually and um it all worked out but yeah you have to go oh you met you met you met a significant other in the halfway house no no he just lives in salt lake city too okay um, and are you still with he, him yeah yeah so uh you know uh well livia thank you for uh is it live livia it's Liv. Liv. So, Liv, thank you for uh, sharing all this stuff with us. I want to get, before we go, like a picture of where you are, you know, right now. So, so how long ago was all this stuff? Five years, you said? Mm-hmm, yeah. Okay. Um, end of 2017, yeah. End of 2017. And so... Um, are you still with uh, the guy that you met in? Uh, fuck, I think I already asked you that. So you're with the guy that you met in Salt Lake City. Are you guys um, gonna get married at any point? Are you thinking about starting a family? Um, probably not. We are kind of in like a very open, non-monogamous relationship. Nice. Um, and he lives up in Alaska right now. He's doing um like tours and um leaded guides up in alaska mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and he actually lives with his boyfriend up there and i'm in uh, arizona and i'm living with my girlfriend but we are still like very much together and we text almost every day and um i hope to marry him one day i want to marry him and uh what's your relationship like with your parents I mean, now uh pretty good yeah it was a little rough, like, right after because I, like, came out to them and I confessed a lot because I just wanted to, like, get everything out on the table while I was up there. So it was a little awkward at first, for sure. But, um, yeah, I think that relationship has grown tremendously and we're pretty close now. We talk and I see them a lot. Well, Olivia, uh, fuck, I called you Olivia again. Liv, well, Liv, um, so you uh, you have a good romantic life. You have a good relationship with your parents. You have uh, these dreams of, of starting this uh, wilderness retreat that is based off of, you know, the, the sort of do's and don'ts that you learned from your own experience. 
Uh, I'm really happy to hear that, that, that things have worked out for you like this. And I really appreciate you, uh, you know, sharing this very, very unique and interesting experience. Um, it's, 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 you know, I know it sounds like it was a lot, but I'm, I am glad to hear that it ultimately sounds like it changed you for the better. Um, and that you mm -hmm. hope to, to, to give that change for the better to, uh, to other people uh, via what you're pursuing. Um, Liv, is there anything else that you want to say to the people of the computer about this experience or about anything at all or any sort of, uh, uh, you know, aspect of this that you feel like we didn't cover that you want to share or anything at all? The floor, the floor is yours. Um, yeah, I just want to say to all of the people listening on the stream, please speak out about your mental health and ask for help and do not think that suicide and drastic measures are the only option because they are absolutely not. And um, yeah, there's the suicide hotline, there's friends, but just take care of yourself and don't don't kill yourself it's illegal it's not allowed um Liv thank you very mm -hmm. much for calling and uh good luck to you and have a good rest of the night you too bye Gek that was a really interesting story for Liv to uh share with us lots of character development that's th those are my favorite stories and things on here is when you start as one thing and then you uh you know something happens and by the end of it you're another thing and, um, yeah, I'm glad to hear that Liv, uh, uh, you know, even though she was dealing with some pretty hard, heavy shit, uh, it eventually all changed her for the better. And now she's using her experience to hopefully go and uh, help other people. And um, I think that that is neat. And, uh, you know, maybe in her wilderness program, she will add s'mores. I think that that is a good thing to have thank you again for sharing Liv hey is this Kyle hello yeah this is Kyle how's it going Kyle it's going very good um, Kyle it says here that uh, you are an aspiring stand-up comedian but you're wondering if this is something that you should actually pursue yeah so I have I this is the thing I, I don't have my license so I haven't had it. I'm getting it this year, probably in by the end of September. And um, I have not had the chance to go to a club and do an open mic. And you, I heard you on the stream. You said you want to give me a couple of chances to do some jokes. Well, I just thought of a few. Okay. Yes, I did. I did say. I did say that there was a uh, aspiring comedian in the call queue, and that I would love to hear him uh, give some jokes. So definitely, let's hear some jokes. All right. Well, I'm a heavy smoker, but at least I'm not blind because I'd probably light myself on fire. Okay. I once walked into a stop sign. I learned that day the only thing to get me to stop talking was a stop sign. Okay. Uh, Anything else? No, those are just off the top of my head. I mean... I can think of one more if you want me to. 
Like you, like you mean if you just thinking of one right now? Well, those two I thought of as you were like saying my name. Okay. Um, and so do you, do so you feel I like if I, okay, yeah. Why don't you try and, why don't you try and think of one more and then, and then tell it to us. Uh, I'm a Mountain Dew guy myself, but the combination's not complete without Doritos or cryptocurrency. Okay. So let me ask you, Kyle, why do you want to become a stand-up comedian? I used to, well, my friends and I, especially my friend Dave, and shout out to Dave, Carlos, and Nick. Um, so my, my friend Dave and I, we used to watch Joe Rogan a lot, even before he got popular. And then through all through Joe Rogan, I got introduced to his, like Joe Rogan's friends, like Burt Kreischer, Theo Vaughn, um, Tom Segura, and stuff like that. And they're always saying how difficult the comedy scene was, but how, how much it pays off to be on stage. And I've always really loved the attention. So if I can do it, then that sounds great. But I also heard that you were, you were trying to do that for six years. And I was wondering myself, what made you change up the thing? Because, it, you know, for, for a stand-up comedian like me, what would stop me from starting if you've already done this for six years you know what i mean let me you know yeah so i did stand-up comedy from about 16 to 22 i kind of kind of slowly faded out of doing it and into doing other things um can i can i give you some advice of course um you said you like attention um here's 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 what i'll tell you about um, open mic stand-up comedy is if you want to go do open mic stand-up comedy and you only do it because you really love being on stage and telling jokes, uh-huh. if you only do it because you love being on stage and telling jokes, even on yeah. nights where you don't do well, even on nights where you bomb okay. horribly, you still love it. If that is the reason why you're doing it, and that's the reason why you continue to go do it, is for absolutely so nothing other than you love getting on that stage and telling those jokes, and not for any reason of anything that happens surrounding that, uh, you will be significantly happier than, um, you know anyone who does not operate from that place. And if you operate right. from any other place, such as, you know, I really I really want to, you know, be successful. I really want to do this for a living. You know, if you operate, uh, you know, every day, every time you go out from that desire, you will be very, very unhappy. So that's all I will tell you I about that. that. So let me So so let me ask you this. Um f- having said that, would you say that the reason why you want to do stand up is simply for the love of being on stage and telling jokes? Absolutely. Absolutely. 
then I, I think you will be more successful than um, other people who who do not operate from that place. And you know what? The thing about it is, especially like you said, too, you don't want to go in there for the money mindset because that pollutes it, man. You just want to be as... like I, I, I'm sure that this is what you think, too, and everyone who's talented with it. Like, even if... I think that this is what they think. I think that... If you are the kind of guy, like, this is what I want to do. I want to do it as a hobby. I want to go up on stage and do it, like, whenever I have the spare time, and that's it. And if I get successful, that's great. If not, it's just a hobby. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I think, um, I think you'll be fine then if that's, if that's the mindset. That you're going in with, and I, and by the way, I you know I, I'm I'm not I, I hope I don't sound like I'm being a dick or being facetious because I, I I actually mean that I would tell you that, you know I would tell that to anybody, you know, um, because I think if you go in with some heavy expectation of results, you will just be unhappy. But if you go in because you actually like to do the thing, then you know it, it doesn't even matter, you know, how how good you are or anything like that. Is there any of your stand-up comedy out there on the on the YouTube? Uh, yeah, there's a fucking video of me. If you want to go see me do stand-up comedy at 18 years old, you can find it. I'm not going to tell you how, but it's there. <laughs> it is on the internet. Hey, listen, well, I'm going to try to get to New York, and maybe I'll see you there. I, I don't want to hog the stage again, but I do want to see you as, like, um, a guest of the venue. And on top of that, maybe I'll start a podcast too, and I'll give you a shout out there if it ever gets popular. Kyle, um, you're exactly the kind of person that this world needs, and I appreciate you calling into this podcast. I appreciate you and your team for taking the call, my friend. Have a good night, man. You too. Bye. I have so many post-call thoughts on uh, Kyle. Um, yeah, I did do stand-up comedy for a while. Um, you know, stand-up comedians—they're—they're uh, they're very big shit talkers, um, and it's probably because of uh, some kind of unlo- underlying unhappiness. Um, but I really—I really meant everything that uh, I said to Kyle. Uh, if Kyle is going into this simply because he enjoys being on stage and telling jokes, even if he's doing it to zero people at an open mic, Kyle will probably be happier than a lot of the stand-up comedians out there who are mainly in it chasing some idea of, you know, success or some sort of external outcome. And I know this because I went into stand-up comedy also pursuing some kind of external outcome. And it's, you know, it, it's it's part of the reason why I think I quit is because I got to a point where I was like, man, unless if you really just love being on stage telling jokes, you're not going to get anywhere with this. And uh, I didn't feel that way. I, I really didn't like being on stage after a while because um, it always made me nervous. And, you know, I, I, I didn't like when it wouldn't go well. Um so I couldn't hack it. You have to, you have to like be having a good time even when it's not going well because you're just, you just love fucking doing it so much. 
uh, in order to get anywhere with it. So, you know, uh, God bless Kyle. I hope he gets farther than I did. Hello? Lyle. Hi, is this Jay? Yes, it is. What's going on, Jay? I'm driving to see my family this weekend. Okay, so you're we're we're in a car. We're in a car. Yes, I have my dog with me. <laughs> How fast is the car going right now? I want to really set the scene. Um, we're at about sixty-two miles per hour, going down a long highway, back roads of Tennessee, lots of trees. I got to say, normally when people are on their car phones or speaker phones, I, I can't hear them at all. But you got a pretty good car phone. I actually have, I thought ahead while, I have my AirPods in um, and my hair is covering it. So hopefully no cops can see me with them in. Yeah, I was about I to say, that sounds extremely illegal. But anyway, Jay, it says here that, um, actually, you know what? I, if I, why don't you tell me what's going on? Oh, uh, yeah. Um... It's a little bit strange, but I you deal with that all the time. Um, so I was doing some research, and apparently this is a thing um, that other people have too. Um, but ever since I was younger, uh, I have this like infatuation with like when fictional characters, um, particularly attractive men. Um, or men that I'm attracted to uh, get injured. Like, they're fictional characters, though. I don't think it's, like, in real life. It's, like, in fictional situations, in books, movies, or TV shows. And I don't know how to describe it, but I get, like, this feeling of butterflies and slight pleasure. Um, and it's always perplexed me why it happens. I, It's confused me for years, and I have no idea what it means. Uh why it happens and i wanted uh an anonymous opinion from you on what the fuck is happening here is there okay, any so, logic to it i don't know so 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 to sum it up when you when attractive male characters in uh fictional stories are injured yeah it yep. brings you pleasure and it it's says not like it in says a sexual way, I don't think. Okay, that was that was what I was gonna ask. Is any of this sexual? I know, I don't think so. It's just kind of like you know when you feel like really like into something and like passionate about something? Kind of like that. Like Okay. But I also get butterflies in my stomach. It's, okay, it's it gives you butterflies in your stomach and, and it makes you happy, but it is it is not a, a sexual thing. I don't think so. I mean, I never have thought to do anything sexual when it happens, no. Okay. Um, and it says that there's a name for this. I don't, is, is, is there a name for this? It says, it says the name is Wump. Is this real? Yes. You can actually, yeah, you can actually look it up. I, I uh, that's what I'm doing. Google, like, what? Yeah, you should um, Google. Um, and there's, like, playlists on YouTube of, like, clips of people getting hurt. <laughs> So okay, Wump, okay. Wump um, is a term which originated in the fan fiction community to describe a genre of fan fiction in which a character endures injury, torture, 
or other mm-hmm. forms of mental and physical suffering. Yes. Yep. Okay. All right. That's so you're into WUMP. All right. So so WUMP is not a. This is not a. This is not in the DSM. This is just a fan fiction thing. I don't think so. Okay. I, I when you said when you said there's a word for it. Okay, WUMP, WUMP is a genre. It's not you don't have it. It's it's just a genre that you're into. I guess so. It's something that I enjoy partaking or listening, watching, whatever. Okay, cool. Uh, all right, let's get into it. So, uh, have you told anyone else about this? No. No, it's it's one of my deep, dark shames, and I don't ever want to talk about it. I've actually mentioned it with one person, my boyfriend, but I haven't gone into depth about it because it, I don't know. It just doesn't make sense. What is uh, what, what was the conversation with your boyfriend like? Well, um, I basically just said what the term was and didn't go any farther than that. He wasn't like judgmental or anything. So that was good. Um, okay. He kind of just laughed about it and shrugged it off. So okay. fine. All right. So I have another. Qu- I have another question for you. I need you to answer this honestly. Yeah. Will you answer this honestly? Yeah, tell yeah, me the truth. Please. I promise I only answer, honestly. In the news, with real life, people, if, like, like, has anything like that ever given you a similar pleasure? Let's say, for example, I don't know who you're into, but let's say if Chris Evans, some video went viral of him, like, breaking his arm playing basketball or some shit. Would that be something you were into? My immediate answer that comes to my head is no, but I've never experienced something like that in the news, so I can't really tell okay. you for sure. Sure, uh, okay. So you don't know. Okay, so so, no, so the answer is the answer is you've never come across it, so we don't know. Yeah, I guess so, and I don't I don't know if I ever want to come across it. I don't I don't. Yeah. Okay. So is okay. So it's not a sexual thing it just gives you butterflies um okay so jay tell me um how has this affected you in in your actions if at all in your day-to-day life i wouldn't say it really affects me socially on a social basis between people um but there have been nights where i've stayed up like hours and hours just watching like videos of okay characters like getting injured and stuff passing out mm-hmm. anything like that mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. made me watch a lot of like fucking tv shows that i'm not even interested in but just like want to see that situation play out on the screen um i think that's the, the biggest way it was more intense in high school a couple of years back but i can still feel it sometimes when i'm watching shows nowadays Okay, because I, I, you know, I'm not a real therapist at all, but I, my my working philosophy on things like this uh, that um is like, and I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know, I don't know, but I, I've always kind of felt like you know yeah, thoughts. No, I don't you know. Well, okay, well, hold on. so I've always felt like thoughts and feelings and obsessions. Um, are are rather dormant and uh, not 
crazy, you know, big problems until they start to have, uh, you know, manifest as, as actual negative things. Uh, like if, if, if these obsessions are causing you to like, you know, what, whatever you, you don't, uh, do your, uh, classwork cause you're, uh, watching, f- uh, fan fiction of Prince Eric breaking his arm or whatever. I don't know. Why I keep focusing on break- people breaking their arms, but you know what I'm trying to, you know what I'm trying to say? If it's, if yeah. it is negatively interfering yeah, yeah. in some sort of concrete way, other than you like to watch it. You know, is, is it negatively impacting you? Is it negatively impacting anyone that you care about? That's that's the real uh, thing that I'm trying to think about when we're thinking about is it a problem? I don't, I wouldn't say it's a huge problem. No, it's more of just food for thought. I, I've been wanting to discuss this with somebody who doesn't know me, I, I would say. Um. Okay. So we've established it's not a problem, which is cool. So we, I mean, we could dive deeper into. I don't into, think it is. Okay. So it's a. So uh, we can dive deeper into why you feel this. Maybe, perhaps that's kind of um, what I'm like. I guess. Why do you feel this? Um. That's a great, excellent question. Um. The only, like, explanation I've been able to kind of come up with in my head is it puts this character who's supposed to be traditionally manly and tough and super, like, stoic into this situation where they're actually, like, showing emotion in some way and they're vulnerable, I guess. And it creates, like, a sense of urgency for the characters around it. So I guess I kind of like the dynamic that it creates between, like, that character and the other characters and, like, how it changes the story completely. And it also, it, like, it, I think, I don't know. Have you ever played The Last of Us? I have not. Oh, damn it. Okay, um... To summarize it, 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 it basically, like, shows the true relationship between two people and how much they actually care for each other, I guess. Is one okay, so uh, so you're describing this less as some sort of weird uh, uh, negative uh, obsession over human suffering and more so as a uh, narrative device. Uh, uh, or, or, or a kind character of. building device that you find interesting. Yeah, you can look at it that way. I've never thought of it that way. Okay. Well, um, interesting. Why do you think that you are, are so uh, protective of telling other people about this? Mainly because it's so difficult to describe. It takes a lot of words to describe, and I just don't want to take that effort to do that. Um, okay. In daily conversation, I guess. Okay. And but I now, just didn't fully understand it. I guess I. Go ahead. Um, but now you are in the um, fan fiction community. I assume. I used to be. No longer. Anymore. Okay, so you probably, I mean, I, uh, you know, I know you haven't uh, discussed this with 
uh, you know, your boyfriend or with any of your friends or, or anything like that. But I assume you've talked about this or, or you've at least read on forms other people who are into this. Yeah, to some extent I have. Um, and have you picked up anything interesting or helpful from that? Nothing aside from that there's other people that experience it. Uh, I think there was a term that one of them used, like the wonderflies or something, in terms of like the butterflies that you get. Um, so it, it's definitely not just me, I guess, is the main thing that I learned. Uh, a lot of other people experience it. Um, mm-hmm. So it can't, it can't just be something that's exclusive to like my upbringing. It's got to be tied to something like, I don't know how you're brought up or like some trigger that happened when you were younger, um, something like that. Because it's, like I said, it's not just me. It's, it's a community of people. And I, right, right. I, I guess feel I like just want to learn more about it. Yeah. I feel like the fact that it's a whole community of people, uh, uh, opens up the, uh, uh, various reasons as to why you could be, you could be attracted to this sort of thing. But, I mean, listen, before we go, Jay, do you feel as though talking about it has given you any further insight into it? I think so. It's definitely made me think of it in a less shameful way, which is helpful. Um, I think it kind of changed my perspective. Maybe I shall share it with some close friends of mine, talk it through with them as well. Listen, if it makes you feel any better, the other day after uh, the stream ended, I stayed up until one o'clock in the morning watching uh, videos on Reddit of people getting hit by cars. Interesting. What kind of emotions did that bring you? I, 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 like a car would be like, you know, send a person flying and right at the impact, I would go. Ah! That was the emotion. So kind of go, holy shit. A shock. Yeah, no, it's a shock. Okay. I couldn't explain. I honestly, I don't know if I could explain it. it. Yeah, yeah, no, there's definitely yeah. a thrill of it. I was on um, shout out r slash crazy fucking videos. Um, there's some huh. insane stuff. It's not cool. I totally. Sh- I don't know what the fuck I'm doing on one a.m. Watching like, don't go, don't go there. Don't war. war- okay, sufficient well. warning to people. Don't go there. It's fucked up stuff. But I got sucked into it. Um, just like a morbid mm. curiosity. Also, there's sort of, there's like a memento mori element to it where it's like it shows you the fragility of human life and kind of almost makes you have a little bit more respect for your own uh, mm. mortality. But uh, do, uh, totally okay. don't go there if you're not into uh, very okay. fucked up things. Anyway, um, thank you very much yeah, for calling, no, Jay. You're welcome. Thanks for talking with me. Have a good night. You too. Hello? Hi there. What's going on? Hi there, Lyle. I'm doing I'm doing just fine. How about yourself? I'm a gecko on the computer and uh it feels good. I was saying at the top of the stream that uh it really does it really does feel nice to get uh 
you know, get into other people's lives and thoughts and shit. Because uh, it, it I feel like it lets me take a break from my own. So so I'm I'm enjoying doing that this evening. Absolutely, yeah. It's almost like you're plugging yourself into the metaverse whenever you're, I guess, experiencing someone else's thoughts and whatever they're sharing. It's like reading a book, maybe. Yeah, a little bit, like, a little bit like, uh, like plug. We're plugging ourselves yeah, into like, the metaverse, perhaps uh, of a lower resolution, but of the same ilk, I would say, perhaps. So, what's going on with you today, Alan? So, I wanted to talk about just the coping mechanisms um, I mentioned to the uh, the caller uh, person that. I have an issue with uh, compulsive masturbation, overeating, oh, yeah. uh, occasionally alcohol. And, you know, that was reading this uh, tweet that said that once you kind of master your addiction to food and sex, then, you know, you become way more productive and way happier. And I think that there's some truth to that, just having lived firsthand just uh, the effects of um, you know, with things like hemorrhoids and, you know, having a, uh, you know, just like a weirdly shaped dick and all that. But, uh, well, Alan, I, I'm so sorry to say I have absolutely no experience whatsoever with compulsive masturbation and overeating. So you'll have to talk to someone else. No, just kidding. Um, yeah, no, I've been thinking a lot about this shit because I also compulsively masturbate and overeat. And uh, I've been thinking a lot about how my life would be would be better if I could um, overcome these vices. So I'm 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 with you on this. Let's talk about it. How have you been thinking? Well, who else have you talked to about this stuff, uh, or what else have you researched about this stuff, and what have you found? Well, you know, uh, being someone that. I grew up with the internet, you know, I am familiar with the um, subreddit called uh, NoFap. NoFap, I'm, yep. I, I'm sure you're, you might be familiar with. Mm. And, you know, given the, uh, I guess, um, public opinions about it, you know, I've heard both sides, um, you know, kind of deriding it, saying that, oh, like, it's just bullshit. Like, you think you're gonna, your life is going to get way better if you just stop watching porn. Which, you know, there is some truth to that because, like, you can't just only stop watching porn to expect your life to get better. But, you know, I think the point of it is to really kind of curb that, I guess, like, addiction to it so that you have more time to spend on other shit that's probably more productive, channeling that energy into something more, uh, I don't want to say positive or negative, but just maybe something that is more productive and has, I guess, more long-term uh, you know, just things that, you know, like yeah. practicing guitar, you know, like I was actually yeah. most recently these past, I was on a 16 day streak and I wanted to reward myself. And so I broke the streak, but during those 16 days, you know, just practicing a uh, guitar and, uh, going out bird watching more often, just trying to expand my interests and proclivities and manifest them in real life instead of just imagining it all day. Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah. I feel like um, no. I this is totally, totally a problem that I am actively trying to solve for myself alongside you right now. 
um, my thought loops about it are like, you know, we've all we've all had uh, really active days. I feel like where like you ever have a day where you, at the end of it you're like, oh, I forgot to eat today, or oh, I forgot to jack off today, because you were just doing shit. You just were, I don't know, you were out, you were working on something, you were like lost in some other activity and i've and i've thought about that and i'm like i I get into this weird conflict about it because that seems like a great way to overcome these vices but on the other hand it's like well fuck is it possible even for life to be so go 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 a hundred percent of the time like there has to be downtime and in that downtime how can you avoid um you know jacking off and eating food also for me i find like I, when i get depressed you know i mean this is a classic like fucking I, I, I don't know anything about this shit but like chemical thing where like you're feeling depressed and so you use the sugar or the fucking coming to to get your brain to like feel something um but when you're out and about, your brain is kind of always being stimulated. And, and I'm so talking out of my ass right now. Your brain is always being stimulated with shit. So you don't need the the, the jacking off or the food. Um, what's worked for you no, so far you in, the, uh, in the in the realm of this? Because I, I would personally love to know. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because, you know, I think that really is kind of the core of the issue it's really kind of trying to recreate a lot of the sort of stimulus that you get when you're kind of plugged into life so to speak right when you have other obligations when you're out and about with friends you know it's not really socially acceptable to just you know start rubbing uh, the head of your penis when you know like a chick walks into the room right so you know Mm -hmm. all, all these things at play and it's like how do we create this environment just when we're sitting at our desk, right? You know, there's no, I guess, you know, stimulus to, there's nothing really to stop us, right? And so I feel like, I don't know, for me personally, like it's just having to accept a lot of the sort of impulse and just like accepting that it's just going to feel shitty and like really leaning into it. Like, I don't know if you practice like mindfulness. I know it's like kind of bullshit. Yeah. you know, the wagey type shit, but you know, it's in the cultural zeitgeist and you know, there's some truth to it. So I'm just kind of taking it with a grain of salt, but it, I find that I guess the constant need to really just immerse yourself in, um, a lot of, I mean, this is, this kind of behavior is kind of evident in like people that use TikTok and just doom scrolling and shit. Right. And like, mm-hmm. I guess eating a lot and just, you know, being inundated with, you know, advertisements, blah, 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 right? Whatever. And it's like, well, it's interesting you mentioned mindfulness know, because man, I'm, I'm, I was thinking about this today because today I was like really meditating on like, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking, you know, using the internet, jacking off, eating candy like way too much. And, and when you're, we just, when you're like being conscious about it, cause we, cause, you know, I know, I know the feeling of unconsciously slipping into the vices and shit. And, um, it's difficult because when you're like, when you are being mindful and you are being conscious about it, you, you a little bit of your humanity kicks in and you can kind of control the monkey brain a little bit more to not right. like you know to right when you pick up your phone just go no I'm not doing that or if you're about to pick up a piece of candy you go no I'm not doing that and the my problem is that that lasts 
for only a little bit. But I, th- my theory is that it's a muscle. So like your right. mindfulness ability can kind. So if one day you were able to resist your phone or your candy or your porn for like a little second, at least like one of the you know however many instances a day that you do it, you're able to just be like mindful about it. Then maybe the next day you'll have a you know two instances where you were like you know mindful you know so in the way you lift a weight and then eventually you can lift heavier and heavier stuff. I feel like mindfulness works a similar way. The difficult thing is to uh, keep going down uh, that path because I've dude I've had so many times where like I've got you know been able to like quit stuff, but then you fall back on the wagon and then you just have fallen on the wagon for a long time and it's. You know, I empathize with you, man. It's really hard. I'm struggling with it myself. With that, with just with everything. I agree with that. Right, right. And it's like um, the idea that you know, there's this incremental, I guess, process with, with respect to you know practicing mindfulness, right? And I think for many people, it can be frustrating to not really reap the benefits right away, just because their brains, I guess, are kind of not wired to kind of. I guess, crave that, like, incremental, like, you know, just improvement. And I, I think, you know, so, you know, while it is helpful in those moments and, like, I have, you know, seen benefits with it, it's just something that I'm personally just trying to have the patience for it, right? And I think it is really hard just given our culture and, you know, and something that's kind of helped me personally is, like, reading a lot of literature on something like NoFap, for example, you know, they have, you know, a bunch of message boards and, you know, support groups and people talking about their own experiences. And I guess like in a weird way, like spending time looking at that kind of informs my own sort of, I guess, rational thinking in terms of like, it kind of sure. like rewires my brain in a little different way where it's like, oh, if I do watch it, then like this shit's going to happen because I heard about, you know, I read about this little anecdote. And I guess, like, embedding that in your, like, sort of latent memory kind of is, like, a way to kind of combat that sort of subconscious, like, oh, I'm just going to do this shit, whatever. Instead of being that, it's it's more like, you know, kind of hearkening back to the things that you must, you've read and, I guess, clinging on to that. So I guess right. it's like, you, in a sense, like, you kind of are what you eat, right? So it's like... Right, I mean, you're hanging out on these message boards and, you know, you're the, whatever, the amalgam of the five people you hang out with the most. So if you're constantly within this community of people who's also trying to kick whatever their vice is, you'll uh, feel a little bit more empowered to do it yourself. I mean, that's how the 12-step programs and everything work. But, you know, uh, Alan, it's been been great talking through all this stuff with you. Uh, Like I said, I'm on my journey, I'm on my own journeys with all these these different vices myself. Um, So it it was good to be able to talk uh through them with you uh on the air like this uh is is there anything that you want to say to the people at the computer before we go uh, nope and uh yeah likewise lyle thanks for taking the time to talk about it it's been great for me and uh uh hopefully you know we we uh get through it <laughs> hey I, I'll, i'm praying uh, for both of us baby Alrighty. Thanks, Lyle. Later, Alan. He was a nice guy. I, you know, it's, it's, I guess by the nature of, um, on here and people are calling me to tell me about things, I, it, you know, 
would would that inherently imply that I have my shit together? I fucking hope it doesn't, because I don't want to give that impression at all. Uh, I was on a crazy porn and sugar and internet binge over the past 48 hours. I mean, it's crazy. Um, and I'm on, you know, Alan's, uh, Alan's kick too, where I'm like, how do I get fucking unaddicted to, you know, sugar and, uh, uh, the computer and whatnot. That's some of the reason I, I, and, and, you know, I was talking about displacement activities and stuff. I love the three hours that I get to come on here and talk to other people about their lives and shit because, uh, I'm very focused, very in the moment. And, uh, they had, there's that saying something of, uh. Idle hands or the devil's whatever. It's really true. Because if you don't have anything to do that's stimulating your brain, your brain will just search for the bad shit to stimulate it with. Like looking at fucking Twitter or eating McDonald's or whatever it is. So... Uh, I'm, I'm learning that myself. But I again, I, it conf- I'm conflicted about it because I can only be... Go go go! Stimulation mode for so long, but maybe that's wrong. Maybe I'm I'm wrong about that, and I should just um, find more things that are productive to keep my brain in motion, so that doesn't fall into traps. Uh, thank you again to Alan for talking through all that with me. <laughs>